Welcome to the Nerd Ascended Podcast. I'm Natalie. And I'm Chelsea. And this is what we're nerding out about this week. nerds welcome back to the nerd ascended podcast in 2024 even though it's still 2019 in my brain (laughs) and it probably always will be but welcome to the first episode of season seven of nerd ascended um hopefully this year we'll have a lot more content and episodes coming out um i don't think we need to explain to anybody who's lived through the COVID pandemic in the last four years that the last four years are, are, I don't even know what they are. (laughs) Do they count? Do they not? I don't know. Am I actually 34? Am I still, oh God, I'm 35. See, I don't even know. We both, we have reached the ages where I, I forget how old you are, which has never happened to me. Oh, you're always 14 to me. So, you know. Oh, that makes sense because you're the older sister, but I forget how old I am. (laughs) You're 14. I forget Don't how old it. your how old is your husband? 36? Yes. He's a um, year oh, he's a year older than me. You're 35? I oh, know. Since when? <laughs> Since last September. <laughs> but you're you're 14. You don't have to worry about it. You're always 14. So <laughs> uh, since our last episode, you did get a kitten. I did. Her name is Autumn. Maybe we'll post some pictures of her for this episode on Instagram because we do hope to be more active there and you know actually start to um share a little bit more and hopefully be more interactive with this season uh our goal is at least uh one episode a month this year maybe if we get some exciting stuff or get real just into it one month you might get more than one episode but um we're hoping to at least get you 12 brand new episodes this year. Yeah. And we do have brand new microphones that are extremely nice that were donated to us by Nicole Day of The Enchanted Days, um, yes. which is a small little business that makes uh, personalized witch hats that are very high quality and very personal and very cool. And they also make resin jewelry and trinkets which are um all ethically and vegan sourced and handmade yes and that enchanted days is run by nicole and her wife april there are cousins um you can find them on instagram it's all one word the enchanted days just d-a-y-s for days um they hopefully this year will be opening an online shop where you can buy some of their stuff but if you're in the portland area you can catch them at events throughout the year. So thank you. Thank you for the awesome microphones, Nicole. No, I feel so professional. <laughs> I just <laughs> need to get myself a witch hat from them and then I'll be. I know I do have mode. one that goes with the my other side business, my herbal apothecary. So I might have to post a picture of that because she she made me a really cute one with a little tea bag that hangs off of it. It's adorable. So Yes, we we have upgraded our our mic situation. So I don't think we sounded terrible or anything before, but they do sound pretty cool now. Yeah, I mean, I think it sounds a lot better. 
aside from my late night DJ voice that is still hanging on from having the flu last month. So you're welcome for that. <laughs> uh, but this episode is not to talk about our microphones. <laughs> Although it this... could be. That could be stuff we could nerd out about. But that's not I, I can nerd out about tech equipment. Yeah. <laughs> our episode today is our best of 2023, which I don't know if we did a best of 2022. But 2022 as a year was shit. Yes. So not for like nerdy stuff, but like for us as humans. No, I, I think you're right. I don't think we did a best of 2022. And admittedly, I didn't consume as much media in 2023 as I have in years past. But I think one, that's because there's a lot of media, friends. There really truly is. I think over the COVID years, I've gotten a little bit more specific about some of the stuff that I watch or read and um my viewing habits have just kind of changed so uh we do have our best of thoughts uh, our thoughts on the best of I should say of 2023 for movies and my best of thoughts (laughs) and I have my I have the best thoughts they're great um but we do have um our categories for this episode are movies tv shows books online independent creators, uh, podcasts, and games. So I have a couple categories that we'll get into. Uh, Most of them we have a top three. A couple of them I don't just because depends on the volume of stuff I actually, you know, had to consume and judge. So we'll get to that for specific categories. But yeah, you want to take us into our, our first official category of movies? Yeah. And what's funny is I think in pre-2020 years, we used to do movies last because that was like our big thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying movies aren't good anymore, but I certainly watch a whole lot less and I don't have I don't have like series or sequels of movies that I'm like as invested in. Um, I'm more interested in like one-off movies right now. Mm-hmm. And also I did absolutely abysmal on watching movies in 2023. I watched five. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did watch more than five, but my movie viewing habits have definitely changed. And I think it would be interesting to do an episode on like movies and movie theaters and stuff in a post COVID world, just because like before COVID, my husband and I would see like 60 movies a year in theaters. Yeah. I used to go to the movie theater all the time yeah i almost got a regal movie pass in 2019 i was i was pretty close too and i still we still use our our regal pass and i get free popcorn all the time because we still have so many points built up from like that but i did see more than five but it was nowhere near 60 and um i think there's a lot of reasons i go to the movie theater less now um but obviously a big part of that is some of the biggest or like most interesting movie releases don't even come to theaters anymore yeah or they are going to come to streaming so fast Mm -hmm. or they come the same time yes like five nights at freddy's was at the same was the same day Mm -hmm. on both but i did watch some movies and i did enjoy them and i will start with my number three movie which was haunted mansion And I know you did not enjoy this movie as much, but I super enjoyed it. And I also think 
This has nothing to do with the movie itself, but I had the element of seeing it in the movie theater with our mom, and she thought it was the most hilarious thing that's ever happened. So you know when, like, <laughs> I know no one, well, some, a lot, well, a lot of people listening to this probably know our mom, but, like, watching something with her that she's really enjoying makes it better. Yes. And that's, there's definitely something to be said for watching a movie in the theater with either just the people you're there with that are really into it. Like, Kevin really gets into movies. He's a fun movie viewer. Oh, um, he is. It's hilarious sometimes. Or, or being in a theater full of people that are, like, super into it is fun, too. I, it's, it's just really interesting that you say that because um, this is actually one of the rare times when I think we do really disagree on something, and it's so fascinating um, because we don't often disagree. I did not see it in movie theaters. I watched it at home and it was just, just me and Kevin. And I think, and I, I told you this before, like my problems with it were like, let me say first, I actually love the cast. The cast is fabulous. Um, the aesthetic and like the cinematography was great. You know, it was for me, like right in the beginning. Um, and this might just be from like the world I work in of marketing and communications that I'm more prone to notice this. It was like in the first five, 10 minutes of the movie, I noticed like the first product placement and then I could not stop noticing them. And it was like, not just, oh, a thing's on the table. It was like, I looked this up on Zillow or I got this notepad from Staples. And I was like, I can't. And it started to just drive me crazy. <laughs> and so I think the combination of watching it at home and then picking up on that, I do wonder if I'd watched it in the movie theater, if that wouldn't have bothered me as bad, you know, because there was like an experience happening. Yeah, um, I don't think I would have liked it as much if I'd watched it at home. And I also didn't notice the product placement as much. Sometimes I do, um, but I also don't have the professional background of being in marketing like you do. Yeah, to just hear it and be like, eh, oh, no. And I, I cannot remember if you've watched The Muppet haunted mansion movie that's on disney plus no but i'm sure it's the best haunted mansion movie oh it's it's so cute you should definitely watch it it's really good but so i was also kind of comparing it to that um because i had seen that not that long before but let's let's talk about what you really liked about the movie aside from the experience too what did you really enjoy about uh i think they did a pretty good job at making a story out of a ride that has sort of a story and sort of not um similar to pirates of the caribbean there's a very loose wiggly thread you can follow through the ride but it's not like really set i i thought it was cute i thought it did and this is coming from so take this to the great salt this is coming from a white woman in colorado i think it did new orleans correctly um, I think it honored New Orleans, hopefully. Um, I think the cast was perfect. I think all the right people were picked for each role. Uh, and I liked finding like all the little different things that related to the ride. Mm-hmm. The little like Easter eggs. Yeah. And I think this one, I think Haunted Mansion was harder to make a coherent storyline out of than Pirates of the Caribbean was. And I think they did honor the story of the ride enough with like Mr. Gracie and the bride, even though 
Constance in the movie was not Mr. Gracie's bride, was he? Was she? I don't remember. I don't think so, because she was very scary and he was very sad. <laughs> he was very scary. She was very... Oh, wait. She was very scary. He was very sad. That sounds like just the description of, like, a Hallmark movie. <laughs> <laughs> I wish Hallmark would make that movie. Yeah. <laughs> I did like that this one, compared to the Eddie Murphy version, they did the the New Orleans um, Disneyland Haunted Mansion as the setting. Mm-hmm. the Eddie Murphy one did the uh, Disney World one. But I think the other thing that uh, made me, you know, probably not enjoy it as much was that, remember when we were supposed to be getting a Guillermo del Toro Haunted Mansion movie and then it didn't happen? Yes, there is a whole graveyard in the sky of del Toro projects that did not happen uh, right. that I mourn all the time <laughs> yes and i my a theory i have no like basis for this is what happened but i feel like what del toro pitched disney was like eat too scary it's likely i could i could definitely see that or it not wanting you know them just wanting to go more in the direction that they did with this movie that came which out. is true i mean they no. did let sam raimi do that uh, Doctor Strange movie, yes. Which I know a lot. Of, I know a lot of people who were not introduced to Sam Raimi before Multiverse of Madness did not like Multiverse of Madness. Man, I loved yeah. it. I did too. I wish they would have <laughs> let him Raimi more than he did. He had to Raimi, but Disney version. <laughs> yes, it's. I think if you're looking for like a movie you know, to watch on a Friday night at home or anything. It's it's definitely not a bad movie to sit and hang out and watch. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah. Uh, what is your number three, though? So my number three was um, the Dungeons & Dragons movie, surprisingly, that came out this year. Um, I have played a little bit of Dungeons & Dragons in my time, so I am familiar with, like, the the setup i don't think you have to be familiar with dungeons and dragons at all honestly to enjoy that movie but it was fun as someone who's played dungeons and dragons to sit there and just be like yes this is exactly how trying to do a campaign goes (laughs) where it's just ridiculous and people can't agree on things and you do such stupid shit that like (laughs) messes things up but i was really pleasantly surprised at how good of a movie and how fun it was because i believe there's been some dungeons and dragons movies in the past and it it seems like something that just it's very easy for it to be terrible right because dungeons and dragons is a huge world and the whole point is that you are making it up as you well not making it up but like you know you're creating the story as you go along and so how do you capture that in a movie where you really do need character development and backstories of people and everything. And um, I think they did a really good job and I really hope they actually make a few more of them. I can't remember. I don't think you've watched this one yet. No, but I actually might watch it tonight or this weekend. Um, Cause I, I am trying to catch up on movies that I have on this list that I haven't watched. Uh, especially since we are going to hit a lull. 
yep. in good movies and TV shows. Like it hasn't, people don't think it's going to happen or it hasn't happened yet, but the writer's strike and the actor's strike are going we'll to catch, catch up, up quickly. Yes. And probably in some shows that I have not watched probably already are. Yes. But- I have accepted that many TV shows and new seasons that I have been waiting for are going to take way longer to come out. And that's okay because of why. But yes, I actually, like I said, I don't think you have to know anything about Dungeons and Dragons to enjoy that movie. Um, Chris Pine, who is one of the best Chris's in the Hollywood sphere right now, in my opinion, I do love Chris Pine, is a really great lead. Michelle Rodriguez plays a very great barbarian. That's like the perfect role for her. And it's just, it's just fun. And I think it's even more fun because you really don't expect it to be as good as it is. You don't expect it to be as well acted as it is. So I'm not sure if they're planning more. I'm hoping so because they did call this Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, they've already set it up to be like, well, how would you make a Dungeons and Dragons be all and all movie anyway? (laughs) And just call it that. So they have set it up to be, you know, there's plenty of other movies they could do with those those characters or some of those characters in a different party and all of that. So that was my my number three. And speaking of very fun movies that are super great, uh, we both have the same number two, which is Barbie. So good. Another and I movie that didn't didn't really have a right to be as good as it was (laughs) yeah i when do you remember when they were filming it and there were so many behind the scenes pictures and i was like oh my god everything i've learned about this movie was against my will and it looks so weird and it did and i neither of us like we had barbies growing up but we weren't that wasn't like our main thing so neither of us had like the long childhood connection and then the posters came out and the way, like, each Barbie had, like, she's a Nobel Peace Prize winner. She's the president. And then the Ken ones were like, he's Ken. He's also Ken. He's <laughs> also also, also Ken. Ken. I yeah. was like, I am being influenced by this marketing. <laughs> and then I went with my friend one night into, and we went in a packed theater that was mostly women. And it was so good. And I had such a fun time and it also made me cry. And I think about, I actually rewatched this a couple weeks ago um, because it's finally on streaming. Oh, uh-huh. And I think about that line, um, mothers stand still so their daughters can look back and see how far they've come. Oh, oh I know. It kills me. And I'm not a mom. <laughs> I, I just think know. of my own mom. <laughs> yeah. And it, it definitely made me cry too. And funnily enough, I saw it with, my husband and then a male friend of ours who had already seen it once and wanted to see Gabe? it again. Yeah, and that was Gabe. All knew out, Gabe, in a good way. <laughs> in a good way. It just, it was so meta and self-referential and self-depreciating and silly and fun. And it, it impacted me way more than I expected. Um, I, this is a movie I don't think they're going to, and I hope they don't do any more. That's it. Yeah, I feel like making any more would ruin it. Yes, this should be a self-contained movie. 
and let yes. it stand as what it is. And I, they did such a good balance of celebrating the good things that came with Barbie dolls and the not good things that came with it. It just had so many good lines too. It and Alan and the entire the entire plot with the Kens and Ryan Gosling and the whole song and it just was I th- having it be a series would completely like negate everything the movie was trying to say. Yeah. So. And I don't know them at all. They're strangers to me, but I at this moment I trust Greta Gerwig and Margot Robbie to not make another one. Well, I've seen Margot say that she wasn't really interested in doing that. So the only thing that I would accept, the only thing that I would accept, and this would still, it would be completely separate it, and it wouldn't really have anything to do with the Barbies, is just a movie about Alan and the fact yes. that he had gone to the real world before. Because <laughs> they like, they throw away reference that, that Alan has they like do. been out of Barbie land. Alan oh. is such an interesting side plot, but he's not even really a plot. He just like throws just out there. all these things that like I don't yeah. know how to even explain it. I would I would take oh, a great. direct to video, direct to streaming Alan side movie. Yeah, <laughs> and that would be that would be it. That's all. I wouldn't. I like. I don't even want a weird Barbie one. I don't. You know, it just leave yeah. everybody else where they are. And what is the only movie? That came out this year that could possibly beat Barbie. And this should be a surprise for no one on this planet when this comes out of my mouth. But it is Spider-Man <laughs> across the Spider-Verse. <laughs> it was not Oppenheimer. Surprise. I haven't watched that. I haven't either. I I don't think it's... It's not that I think it's bad. I just heard it's like three hours and there's a very yeah. long gratuitous sex scene that I don't feel like dealing with right now. <laughs> Mine is mostly just because I'm real picky about things I sit for close to three hours for. And I will note here that Across the Spider-Verse was a little long. That would be my only critique. Was A, a tiny smidgen. But a little long. But You also saw it twice, though. True. So that might... I did not feel the length at all. So that might have contributed <laughs> to me feeling like it was a little long, because I did see it twice. But... It was well worth the wait that we had for it to get here. I will always die on the hill that Spider-Man is great cinema and TV shows and games and comic books. <laughs> and I know I'm biased because that that that's my hill. That's my, uh, my superhero hill that I will die on. But it was a perfect sequel to me it was just as good as the first one um it gives me a lot of anxiety because i'm so into this story yeah. uh, mostly because miles's dad is still alive mm-hmm. um, and in everything else everything else being the video games <laughs> that miles has been on been in his dad is dead well mild mild spoiler anyway for this movie that that actually is a major plot point <laughs> for this movie, right? Is yes. that he has not experienced the canon event. Um yes. that every everyone other Spider-Man else has. A canon. has. I forgot, do they say in that movie what his canon event was supposed to be? Was it his dad dying? Because um, then he stop it. Yeah, it's just specifically the 
I guess not necessarily Spider-Man's dad. It's the police chief close to you. Um, yes. Dying. And he goes back and prevents that just kind of like they uh, inadvertently prevented the one happening in um, the, I can't think of the other Spider-Man's name at the moment. The one that yeah, is based they, on India. Yes. He ends up there with um, Spider-Punk and Gwen. Mm-hmm. And they end up stopping his canon event. Yeah, I no notes. Ten out of ten. I cried. I laughed. I enjoyed the cinematography. They're beautiful movies. They're just so well done, and you can tell everyone that works on it really loves it. Mm-hmm. And they they did the multiverse thing correct, which. I will say, I think a lot of people are kind of on the edge of multiverse burnout now because... Yes, because everything superhero, Marvel-wise, is multiverse. The multiverse, but they did a a really good job knowing that this is a Sony film and not part of the MCU. It is, like, under Disney, but it's not. It's under Marvel, but it's not. You know, obviously, No Way Home, No Way Home came out 2022, right? Mm, yes or 2021 but obviously you know no way home had the same uh, not the same storyline by any means but the uh yeah it was 2021 i just had to double check um but has the same it, it did the same thing where it was like the opportunity for fans to reference other movie properties that aren't the same one and yeah, there will be nothing quite like being in the theater and watching Tobey Maguire walk out of the little portal and then Andrew Garfield. That was pretty freaking cool. In this one, in Across the Spider-Verse, they do reference the live-action films, and I think they did it in a way that was fun, but like not like, oh yeah, we've already seen this, we know. Like, you just get to see clips of Andrew and Toby, and um, I can't remember if there was a... Did it show a clip of Tom Holland's when they were doing those, showing all the different canon events? I think so. I think it did. I can't remember if he was specifically in there. But it did very specifically reference um, the Tom Holland movies in uh, when he was looking at some of the villains that were locked up, and Donald Glover was in... Mm-hmm. Um, one of the little tube things. So it did reference all of them, but not in a way that was like, Tom Holland is going to be in this movie or something, because that's not <laughs> yeah, that would be the thing that, that happens. But I see, you know, it's very easy to see after watching that movie why they did make it a trilogy instead of just a sequel. Because mm-hmm. it was, mm-hmm. I was like, how did you how were you having this one and the next one as one movie at one point that would have been i don't even know how you would have done that so yeah but great for us since they made parts two and three at the same time Mm -hmm. it comes out this year there's not a gap is it what is the date that the third one comes out this year i thought it was like april or may so as far as a, a release date for the third one it looks like There's not a specific one at the time of recording this, but it won't be March of 2024, as originally said, Mm -hmm. um, because they were affected by the actor and and writer strike. So that will get pushed out a little bit, but it sounds like we still should get it in 2024. So that's a good thing. 
yes, but it was definitely, definitely my favorite movie this year. It just, it's, a, it's just kind of incredible how, especially for me, who I will admittedly say I, I certainly have Marvel and superhero fatigue. <laughs> yes, I'm still I, trying to get over. I have not watched a whole lot of other Marvel or superhero movies in the past couple of years. Yeah, and it's it's kind of amazing that this just it, it that fatigue doesn't affect this one for me at all. So yeah, it's just so fresh. Yeah, I would say the Beyond the Spider Verse is probably my most anticipated movie of this year. Uh, shall we move on to TV shows? Yes, especially because, interestingly, we both have the same top two in this one, too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I want to, like, quickly talk about honorable mentions because these seasons of these shows came out in 2023, but I have not finished them, so it didn't feel fair um, to rank them in my top three, but they might have been in my top three. But also, I don't know how they end. Except for, I did put Ted Lasso on here. We did finish that a couple days ago. Beautiful show. Very wholesome. Made me cry because it was so sweet. I know a lot of people love that show. Yeah, it's hard to access because it's on Apple TV. um, Which really not a whole lot of people have access to. Or Apple Plus, whatever. Um, But it was such a comfort show. And it was... It was so sweet. Um, I won't talk too much about it because it was an honorable mention. The other honorable mentions I have are Loki season two, which I have not finished, but I've started it and it started off really strong. And Succession, which I started very late. I, uh, Ryan and I started watching it this year, but the final season came out this year and we're like three or four episodes from the end right now. And I, <clears throat> I would have put it in my top three and I don't think it's going to happen, but I was like, what if it pulls a Game of Thrones oh, <laughs> in the last and, episode and, and I hate totally it? totally <laughs> punts it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but my real number three, which this is a little cheating, and I did it because we did not do a best of 2022. And I watched it at the beginning of 2023. And that was The White Lotus, The White Lotus season two, specifically. Uh, because both seasons of the White Lotus are little individual stories, so they're um, kind of like a like an anthology. Yes, and each one is set at a different White Lotus resort, and the only carry through line is this uh, character named Tanya, who's played by Jennifer Coolidge. I do love her. I oh gosh, you gotta watch White Lotus. I started watching it just for her. And then the show turned out to be really great as well. And for a show where all you know at the beginning of each episode is someone's going to die at some point. But then the episodes are so focused on these people's individual problems that they mostly cause themselves. Um, It's hard to explain. It sounds so boring when I'm like, nothing really big ever really happens, but it's a lot of like rich people that have are in their own ways mm-hmm. and tanya is my favorite character by far by both seasons um and her storyline is probably the wackiest because she gets into silly little situations uh but yeah highly recommend that's my number three 
Yeah, that is one I have not watched yet, but my number three is one that you recommended to me all year, and then I did finally watch at the end of the year, which was Beef. Um, and at the time that we're recording this, it just, uh, the show itself and then the cast just won several uh, Golden Globes and Emmys, which is very exciting. So um, this one is on Netflix. It's a one-shot uh, show. I don't know that there's plans for like sequel or that kind of thing. I don't really know where that would be going at this point if they did a sequel. But it stars uh, Ali Wong and uh, Steven, do you, do you pronounce his last name Yoon? Yun? I'm not entirely I sure. Know. But you might know him if you were someone who watched uh, Walking Dead. He was Glenn in The Walking Dead and he's been in a ton of other things. But it is kind of a heavy themed show for sure mm -hmm. but very funny very bingeable there's i think 10 episodes and they're not that long a lot of people have been talking about beef specifically because of the soundtrack <laughs> because there's a lot of like late 90s early early 2000s music in it so if you're a millennial um there'll be a lot of nostalgia music yeah. in it for you with beef i was like finally a millennial director using millennial music yes there's plenty of millennial directors and they don't use our angsty music <laughs> mm -hmm. another really interesting thing about the show was that there's actually a lot of um a lot of episodes that feature steven yoon singing one is it features briefly him performing drive by incubus which was great but i did learn um, at a, a certain plot point, he joins a church um, and becomes like a worship leader in the church. But I did learn even when he's not the worship leader, all the gospel music or, you know, like um, contemporary Christian music that they play features him singing. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. And like when the, the episode when Amazing Grace is playing, that's him singing. So he's a he's a very talented person. But for those of you who haven't even heard of it or seen it, the I don't even know how to explain beef, but like the the essential nutshell from the beginning episode is a guy almost accidentally backs his car into another woman in a parking lot and she flips him off and he drives after her in a road rage and this single road rage incident, um, which doesn't end violently or anything, it just ends with them flipping each other off and driving across someone's yard, turns into an absolute like shit show of them one-upping each other and figuring out why their own individual lives are not what they want them to be. <laughs> That's probably the yes. easiest way to put that. But it has just recently won a lot of awards for very good reason. So I think we watched it in like a weekend. Um, yes. And Beef was not in my top three is probably 3.5. I, I loved that show so much. And I think it's only because I watch a lot of TV. You do. That's something that hasn't changed, actually. So, No, I watch a lot of TV. And a lot of it is also because I, I crochet. I started crocheting in 2023. So I watch TV while I crochet. Mm -hmm. Because I'm a millennial and I need to, like, activate all parts of my brain at this point. I need to multitask. I do. But that's why I watch so much TV shows and why I'm so into TV shows probably more than I am movies now. Mm -hmm. My number two, I'm 
very curious why it is also your number two. Um, and that is what we do in the shadows, which this was season five for me specifically mm-hmm. that came out in 2023. Mm-hmm. Last time I was at your house, you were not on season five. We are. <laughs> Have you watched all of it? I'm pulling up the list of episodes to tell you if we've completely finished uh, season five or not. But for me... Well, just name what was the last thing that happened that you watched. Well, see, now that I have beef in my brain, that is a fabulous question. But for me, I know, obviously, there's been like one new season a year-ish. We kind of got thrown off by COVID and all of that. But this show at this point even if I haven't watched all of it, has already become like The Office for me. I could mm-hmm. put it on from the beginning and just rewatch the whole thing forever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, <And> like <laughs> just a million times. Like it has that level of rewatchability for me. Even when there's also like, there are certain plots that are like continuing on, you know, throughout the thing that do affect like the overall storyline and eventually it is going to come to an end which i would just freak out if they did because they're filming a documentary kind of like they were in the office right it would be so funny to me if in this last season that is coming out this year this is the final one i don't know if it's coming out this year i might have gotten pushed back so probably i'd have to double check that too but it'll either be this year or 2025 will be the final one it would be so funny if they did the final episode the way they did The Office, where they're having like a panel about the documentary after it came out, you know, <gasps> and they're like, <laughs> like doing Oh, that would be so work. great. Wouldn't that be so funny? That is probably not where it's going, but I would just- I mean, maybe. I would just find it hilarious if that's what they were going to do. I but- wouldn't put it past them because- I don't know this. Wait, I don't want to spoil something if you're not all the way through. Oh, just totally do it. Because that'll actually probably remind me where I am. Because I'll either be like, oh, yeah, I don't know that. Or I do know that. Um, Well, if you haven't finished it, I do think this being your number two is a great choice. The ending is great. It's not bad for this season. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Did you see the episode where uh, Laszlo is running the experiments on Garamo's blood? And he makes a bunch of little animals. No. How far? Oh, the... oh, that's How like far? middle of the season. So okay. you've got only to so, go. So we've watched, we've watched essentially probably like the first part of the season then. Yes. But the, the last half of the season is just as good, if not better. So you're not going to regret having it as your number two. Okay. Perfect. I mean, like I said, Honestly, even if I had just spent the year rewatching the first four seasons anyway, it would still be my number two. I mean, I'll probably rewatch it for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. It is it is office quality for me at this point. And the last one, our number one that we both put, and we did not talk about this beforehand. We never talk no. about our picks. We do not make our picks the same on purpose. <laughs> Our number one is The Last of Us, you know, to totally shift tone change here. Yes. (laughs) 
going back to like what you said with Dungeons and Dragons, it is very hard to make something based off a video game, a board game, any kind of game good. And they often are bad. That's like yes. the the video game curse. They the movies that they um make from those are often considered pretty poor. <laughs> yes, there is a a history of video game movies in particular being pretty bad. And The Last of Us, I was worried because I love this video game duo. What do you call it when there's two? I don't know. A duo, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love them so much because I love the story so much, even if it's it is very depressing. <laughs> um, but I... Uh, like, this video game series is very close to my heart, so I was very worried about it. And then the casting came out, and I was like, okay, at least we did capable actors. Mm-hmm. I don't care if Pedro Pascal is not white. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm confused what that would even have to do with anything. <laughs> like, um, what people being mad about that is. Well, that's just people being racist. Well, <laughs> <laughs> And it, it was so good. And they changed things from the game that I think should have been changed. And the biggest change was um, Bill and Frank. Mm -hmm. Because Bill and Frank in the game is incredibly depressing and I do not like their story in there. Like everyone's story is depressing, but theirs is kind of the worst for me in the Mm -hmm. game. And in the, the TV show gave them such a beautiful story and really gave them the only like happy story anyone gets to have in the game or in the story. Yeah. And um, Nick Offerman won a uh, guest actor. I think it was a guest actor Emmy for that when they did the like Emmy ceremony before the Emmy ceremony, the creative arts. one. Oh yeah. Um, Which I think those ones are more important. Yeah. And I think one about video game adaptations, I think this show proved two things. One most of the time they're not going to work it as a movie because there's, I mean, how many hours do you play a video game? 20 at least, if not more, right? They don't, there's too much for a movie. They need to be well, a Well, one like The Last of Us, you play 40 to 60 hours. Yeah. So this would have never worked as a movie. They need to be, the adaptations need to be shows for sure. And I think it also, when you make changes for the show, based on adding something that explores the overall theme of the game, it's going to work really well, which is what, um, because yes, the game is about Joel and Ellie and, you know, him trying to get, or eventually not get her to the hospital for, um, because she might be the answer to, to solving the apocalypse essentially, but essentially the game is called the last of us for a reason because it's how when you are the last of the people alive what things matter what things don't how do you behave and that's why that episode with bill and frank was so amazing because that they were truly the last of anybody in that town they were in right because yeah uh, they were i think in the overall they represent the last of like the goodness of humanity. Yes. Because everyone else loses their humanity. 
Yeah, and you would think, um, you know, with Bill at the beginning, he's like this prepper, ridiculous, like, honestly, kind of pushing like a QAnon type person. So you would think he maybe had lost his humanity already and he actually hadn't. So he's kind of an unexpected like person to end up being the soft, like loving person that he was to the right person, to Frank. <laughs> he maybe wasn't yeah. the soft loving person to everybody, but he was himself. And I did, I did appreciate the little like moment of humor when Ellie is reading the letter that he left after they died and she's reading it out to Joel and she, he, for some reason wrote the like, he, 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 when he was like making <laughs> yeah. a joke <laughs> and she reads that out loud. It just reminded me of Ron Swanson so much. It like, was, it was so Ron Swanson coded. Oh, it's so great. And that, that show's not out for everyone because it is very dark and it's very violent. Yes. And I, I don't always am able to consume dark and violent things anymore, especially in TV or movies. Um, like Ryan tapped out of this show pretty early. Yeah. He made it to Bill and Frank. And then the episode after that, he was like, um, this like just affects my brain too much. And I get that. I stop shows all the time. Like Yellowstone, I tried really hard to watch it. Yeah. It messed with my brain so badly. <laughs> yeah, there's definitely uh, heavy stuff in this show. Beyond yes. just violence and zombies. Yeah, but it's it's a beautiful story. The actors are all absolutely perfect. If you're okay with the dark and the graphicness, uh, highly recommend. Mm -hmm. There will be at least two more seasons of it. Um, the first season is pretty much the entire first game. And there is only one other game. But my guess, and I feel like it's a pretty good guess, is the second season is the entire space between the two games. Right, which is a little dicey for me. Because I'm like, that can either be totally fine. Or it could be, I mean, yeah. they're going... They're making their own story. Yeah, that's essentially completely new territory. But for those of you that have played the second game or seen videos of it, I, without totally spoiling everything, they're not going to get rid of a huge actor at the very beginning of season two. There's just no way. So yeah. I don't think season two will really have any of game two. And I think that will be season three. I think the very end of season two is going to be the start of game two. Which could be. Um, but the good thing about them getting into this new territory is it will give us, like, I'm betting a lot more backstory for the character of Abby, who comes in game two. Yeah, um, which, if you don't have feelings for Abby, you did not play that game right. <laughs> yes. The, the entire <laughs> point of Last of Us 2 is that your idea of who is a hero and a villain is not that simple. Yes. Everyone in The Last of Us besides Bill and Frank are villains. Yeah. <laughs> in the show version, anyway. Well, but, and in the game, too. Well, yeah, I guess he's not, you really, just don't, not a villain. You just don't get to explore it as much um, yeah. in the game because they're all side characters because you are Joel or Ellie. Yes. 
I'm not sure when the next season is supposed to come out. I bet it's probably not this year, but I, I bet it's delayed, which is yeah. Okay. The one, the additional exciting thing about this show is we did get to go to Horror Nights at Universal Studios this year, and we got to go through the Last of Us house. Um, oh my gosh, they had a bloater. It was pretty gross. In there. I don't know how they made that, but it terrified me. That was definitely the loudest of the haunted houses we went in while we were yes. there. And this is not nerd related, but... The thing that, like, scared me the most was all the guns in there. Well, and that's why it was also so loud. It was so loud. Yeah, because it was a lot of... You were you're kind of following Joel and Ellie as they try to get you through this, like, checkpoint. And, um, yeah, which was really fun because you got to... You were supposed to be them at different parts of the house, but there was so much guns. And there was a part with the tank that was so loud shooting that I was like... It was very loud. I, I would rather see a clicker right now than this tank with and like bullets and stuff and there were some there were some scary clickers in there there really were so it oh, was yeah they were terrifying and they were very accurate to the point i was like "Ooh, i am if this is how zombies end up someday i i'm not doing it <laughs> well like have you seen that joke before about the i'm only good with the the zombie apocalypse if i get the walking dead zombies and not yes. clickers <laughs> yeah yeah if walking you hit- dead zombies okay i'll try but clickers mm. no the mushrooms are gonna kill us also when we were at horror nights they had it was the mummy food like there's a little food stand that's normally outside the mummy ride and they had rethemed it to the last of us i don't think you saw it because kevin and i went over there to get water oh yeah and they had a cordyceps topped hot dog and i was like that is the worst thing i've ever seen in my life why do i want that (laughs) also i went to a tea shop a few months ago that had cordyceps tea Mm -hmm. and that's what they called it and i was like i don't think you should use that word anymore it's very popular among people who are into like uh mushrooms and herbalism and stuff cordyceps is they're gonna take us out i know that's it (laughs) i we're gonna get taken out by mushrooms taken out by mushrooms <laughs> well we will definitely be talking about that show as soon as the next season comes out too so more to come on that so our next topic is books which is always the hardest one for me to narrow down because i read 44 books last year so i have a lot <laughs> you know to pick from and i actually read quite a few that i was like that wasn't a very good book, which doesn't happen to me often. Um, I also read a lot of books this year that was like, that was not great. Yeah, so that, <laughs> that's kind of sad. But the three that I picked, which this one, our number one is the same, but our other two are different. Um, but the three that I picked were, to me, like exceptional books. So my third, my number three on my book list was a book called Demon Copperhead by Barbara Kingsolver. And um, I should make the note here that we always make these books didn't necessarily come out in 2023. So mm-hmm. it's not like the other categories. This is because that would just be, it'd be really difficult <laughs> for me, honestly, to just yeah. talk about books that just came out in 2023, especially because they tend to have like a 14 week wait at the library. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but my number three was Demon Copperhead by Barbara King Solver, which um, if you've not heard of her as an author before, you've probably heard of her book, The Poisonwood Bible. She tends to write stories around 
kind of the usually they're in like the Appalachia communities or in the south but they tend to center on um kind of some of the poorer or what you would probably call in other states the redneck communities that kind of thing um and demon copperhead is actually a take on david copperfield by charles dickens and um does follow um uh, a guy from boyhood to adulthood uh, living in poverty in uh i think he's in a part of tennessee like somewhere in that area so it, it does follow kind of the structure and like purpose of David Copperfield, but through the perspective of a modern poor person living in very drug infested communities and how the pharmaceutical industry and healthcare world has kind of targeted these poor communities and caused um, like a lot of opioid addiction and um, how that goes hand in hand with heroin addiction and meth and all of that. So it does have some heavy themes in the book. I will say he does get a fairly happy ending, in my opinion, as he does in David Copperfield, if you've ever read that. So it does end on a more hopeful note, but the voice in it is fabulous. The writing is great. And it just raises a lot of interesting questions. So I highly recommend that one. My number three was The Insatiable Hunger of Trees by samantha eaton it's a horror book i have to say from the title alone i don't know anything about this book it makes me think of the happening by m night Shyamalan. like the the trees are taking over Uh, (laughs) the funny thing is they're more like um raven cycle trees oh okay which (laughs) sounds dope yeah this book i don't think it's as big uh printing wise as i thought it was going to be because I had to buy it. Like, my library was like, what are you talking about? Yes, yeah, so <laughs> that. So I bought it. And I'm glad I did. I'll bring it to you. Um, if I, I think I already did, actually. I think you did, actually. I do have it. Um, but this book is right up my alley because the author basically makes her own cryptid. And I am all about cryptids. So I believe most of them are real. No. However, I love the the lore and the creation of cryptids. And she makes her own version that's kind of a a tiny bit mothband but more like wendigo skinwalker very scary book um the cover scares me i had to flip it upside down (laughs) but i wasn't reading it (laughs) like i can't look at this um there is a this has nothing to do with the plot but there's a very nice note at the beginning that tells you there's a lot of animal characters and none of them get hurt or die which made it that much more enjoyable for me. Yes, that's helpful, actually. Because there, there's a very cute pit bull. There's a whole bunch of kittens. They're all fine. It's just, just it's a very unique horror or horror book because I don't feel a lot of people make their own cryptids anymore. Mm-hmm. And it was a simple villain in which there was no like. It was like a mustache twirling villain. It just wants to kill and eat people. That's mm-hmm. all it wants to do. And the trees are like, hey, hey, hey. They think it's funny. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it's a great book. I'm not describing it very well. I mean, I think it sounds cool. <laughs> it's like a very twisted coming of age as well for the main character. But it is it is solid. Highly recommend. The ending was... I'm trying to remember the ending, actually. 
Oh, the ending was satisfying. Which is always a plus. Yes. So the number two book on my list was Ninth House by Leigh Bardugo. Um, she has a couple other fantasy series, neither of which I've actually really read a bunch of, but you might know her name from that. Um, there is a sequel to Ninth House that came out in 2023 called Hellbent um, that I have not read yet. But I loved the first one. It's a dark academia series. Gives me a little bit of a more adult, less YA vibes of Raven Cycle. There's a little bit of, of that in there. Um, but the main character, Alex, is a girl who comes from kind of a rough background, is the sole survivor of a really crazy, like, multiple homicide that you'll find out about in there. Um, she gets discovered by a professor from Yale because of this murder situation, but specifically because she has this ability to see dead people, which comes in handy for the secret, not-so-secret societies at Yale, which, you know, obviously some of those are real. You know, there's, like, probably not the weird stuff you think going on in them, but... Um, everybody's probably heard of Skull and Bones, a secret society that a lot of like politicians and powerful people have been a part of. Um, and in this book, there's eight of those houses, secret societies, but they actually are doing pretty crazy esoteric occult stuff that all kind of weaves together. And then there's a ninth house that is basically in charge of keeping them in line. Um, and that's what they need Alex for. And so they offer her essentially a full ride to Yale. Um, something that she never would have had otherwise. And so it's it, it's kind of like YA themes, but in adult books, which is interesting, um, but I think actually worked really well. There's a lot of backstory going on, but she does a, the author does a good job of setting that up. And I am really looking forward to reading the second one as soon as my hold comes up at the library. But Chelsea, I don't think you've read this one, but this is one you would actually really like, I think. Oh, yeah, I'm in my Goodreads adding it to my must-read list right now. Yes, it's it was a lot of fun. A lot of just, like, if, you know, if you've probably heard us on this podcast talk about the Raven Boys or the, the Raven Cycle series before, and it, that's one of my favorite series of all time. And there's just similar vibes there. So, yes, I highly recommend Ninth House. So my number two book was also one I don't think you've read. Um, no. The Haunting of Alejandra by V. Castro. Um, also a horror book. I was really excited about this one for a long time. Because it is, a, it's based around, uh, I butcher it every time and I feel so bad. La Llorona. Oh, La Llorona. Yes. You say it so much better than I do. <laughs> and I say it probably terrible, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> but in this book it is about Alejandra she has a husband who is a peanut of a man and she has some a children <laughs> yes he sucks and the themes in this book are very woman focused and as someone who has no children and no plans to have children I still felt very deeply connected to Alejandra because she has postpartum depression um, she is a stay-at-home mom, which she doesn't really want to be, but her husband has kind of been like, that's what, that's what the women do. And she was also adopted. So she meets a therapist because she, she realizes she has some sort of depression going on. She starts going to a therapist. 
who is helping her connect with her Mexican-American heritage. Since she was adopted, she did not get that growing up. And she also happens to see La Llorna just like creepily standing all over the place all the time. Creepy. And being a creep in her child's swimming pool, which was a very scary scene. (laughs) That sounds terrifying and very interesting. Yes, it was both. Uh, And some of the stories or some of the chapters are told from uh, women in her her family bloodline and what happened to them because they have all been haunted by La Llorna in some sort of way. And the ending of this book, well, to spoil a tiny bit, I feel like Alejandra gets the ending she deserves. The very last, like, three pages is the most disturbing thing I have ever read in my entire life. And sometimes I think about it, (laughs) and it drives my OCD crazy. So it sticks with you? Yes, and part of that is personal because those last three pages are around something that's very horrifying to me personally. (laughs) But Alejandra is probably my favorite character I read about all the, uh, this whole year. I really want you to read this book so I can talk to someone about it. Okay. Well, it's definitely on my list. Well, our number one book was the same for both of us. And it was actually a book I heard a lot about. And I was just kind of like, okay, yeah, whatever. It looks like a fantasy book. I'm sure it's fun, whatever. And then I did read it and was like, oh, my God. And that is Fourth Wing by Rebecca Yara. Yes. <laughs> Which I also resisted it for a long time because it was a big book on TikTok. And the last time I read a book that was big on TikTok, I absolutely hated it. Yeah, but the hype was real for this one. It was correct. <laughs> the hype was real. Uh, the hype was correct. I... I was so mad about 50 pages into this book. So I was like, damn it, why didn't I write this? Yeah. <laughs> Not saying that like I had the same idea, which I didn't. That just happens as someone who got an MFA when I read something really great. I'm like, mm-hmm. ah, <laughs> why don't I have these ideas? <laughs> yes. 16-year-old me would have loved the shit out of this series. 32-year-old and- me loved well, the yeah. shit out of this series. <laughs> but that's what makes it so good is because it is... uh romanticy which romance is not usually Mm-mm. my jam at all but um it it has all the stuff that like is great from young adult fantasy there's dragons there's battles there's main character with a special purpose and abilities you know and then we aged everybody up at a teenager and we threw in some good smut <laughs> so yes <laughs> Which feels okay because they are all 20 and up. Yes. But I will say that to know if you are, if you're not aware of fourth wing, if you have no idea what it is, just understand going into this series that it is romanticy and there is pretty graphic smut and sexual encounters. That is, that is a core part of this series. And the author has, she has said she is a romance author first. Mm-hmm. And I'm the same as you. Romance is usually my last favorite category. 
Um, but I'm invested in the romantic relationship in this book. Mm-hmm. And the sequel, Iron Flame, which I'm almost done with. You just finished a couple days ago. Yes. And uh, both Fourth Wing and Iron Flame actually came out in 2023. The third one should be coming out end of 2024. It is a planned five book series. They are decently hefty, about 600 pages-ish each. But Yeah, they don't feel like it, though. No, they don't. The, the world building is great. It's, I mean, the background you need is just this woman goes into essentially a war training college in a specific sector where they get to bond a specific dragon and learn how to battle and ride with their dragon. And who the hell wouldn't want to do that? Oh, like and her, her dragon. How do you even say his name? Tarn. Tarn? I I say it's Tarn, but Tarn. There, okay, I say that too. There's quite a few names in there that you know in my head I'm probably saying wrong. <laughs> he's like a he's a big grumpy dragon, like the very opposite of her, and it's so cute. Yes, <laughs> like how much they love each other. This this woman and her dragon is so cute to me. Yes. <laughs> And I'm, I am obsessed. I'm officially obsessed with this book series. It was funny to flip to the back and see the author's headshot. She actually is, she looks a little bit different outside of her headshot now, but looking at the headshot and I was like, this nice Mormon looking woman wrote this stuff, this book. She knows what she's doing. She has other series and books that are out. Um, But this was the most popular book in the entire book world last year for a reason. Yes, so. I feel I don't always feel as well deserved when it's the most popular book, but for this year, I agree wholeheartedly. Yeah, don't let the book talk hashtag uh, shy you away from it. <laughs> yes, and I I will consider more books I see on TikTok. Yes, <laughs> I will be more open, but if they're like romance only, I'm not going to because that's just not my jam. Yeah. <laughs> So the next category we've changed from previous years, uh, this used to be YouTubers or streamers. And we expanded this to be online slash independent creators. So this could be someone that primarily uses YouTube. It could be Instagram. It could be TikTok. It could be someone with their own um, individual website. It felt better to expand this category because how we consume internet creations has changed a lot in the past few years. Mm-hmm. So my number three is both Instagram slash TikTok, TikTok called Rags to Riches Animal Rescue. And is this woman and her mom in Tampa, Florida, that run an animal rescue, usually specifically for animals that have um medical problems they need to solve or disabilities i love all of the animals that she features and she also talks about like we took this animal to the vet it cost two thousand dollars and like how much how expensive it really is mm-hmm. to run an animal rescue but her her shining star that i bet everyone on here has seen at least one picture of on the internet is wisp wispy crispy wispy who is this little kitten who looks like a crumpled up napkin (laughs) she doesn't as much anymore now that she's bigger but i 
would go to battle for this internet cat. <laughs> she's so cute. And she's, I think she's a white Persian. So, you know, she's like long hair and white. And so just every, everything she eats or whatever just completely stains her face. And she's always a, a whole mess. Yes. And her mom, Gertrude, which the rescue still has for now, that sounded bad. They're going to adopt Gertrude out at some point. Yes. <laughs> she she looks the same. <laughs> She's also kind of like funky looking face. She's so cute. Yeah. But I I love the the realism that they pose, the honesty about what it's like to run an animal rescue. It's not all about Wisp, but I also love Wisp so much. Like this mm -hmm. little this little kitten in Florida owns a piece of my soul <laughs> she is a pretty adorable little cat my number three is on instagram and the instagram handle is i believe you say it turquoise kitchen um, but it's spelled like t-u-r-k-u-a-z and the woman behind the account i think you pronounce her name uh betul or betul i probably butchered that so sorry to you but i love your account and this is a food account but she is very skilled in lighting and filming her recipes. But uh, she has, there's quite a bit of Turkish food, um, which I love. But the best thing about her account is if she's going to make, let's say, chicken noodle soup, the most basic thing. This recipe video is going to include her busting out the flour and making the noodles from scratch and hand rolling it and probably bringing up a basket of vegetables that clearly she just pulled out of her garden you know like it's it's beautiful stuff and the recipes are some of them are certainly involved if you're going to actually make the noodles that kind of thing but the ones that i've actually tried and i have tried several are still easy enough to make like it's still approachable there's even one when she it was like a caprese salad she was going to make and by god that woman made the mozzarella on camera like <laughs> it's amazing <laughs> so i i highly recommend that even just for the aesthetic purposes but there's actually several recipes i've had the chance to try and they are amazing um i'm gonna follow her right now because i need some good food it will make you very people. hungry well that's for okay. sure Number two, we had the same one, which I didn't even know you knew who this was. Uh, seriously, she, uh, as as someone who's in herbalism, you don't think oh, I, I followed, <laughs> I follow the Black Forager. <laughs> I, I should have known you follow the Black Forager. Her name is Alexis Nicole. Uh, I don't know where her last name is, but that's her, her online names are Alexis Nicole. I found her, I, this sound, I wish I remember exactly where. It was either on Jonathan Van Ness's little Netflix series or his podcast or an NPR podcast. I don't remember where I found her, but she was on one of those three things and I immediately followed her and I have been obsessed since because first of all, she teaches me so much mm -hmm. about nature and plants and other living things. And she's also just such a infectious personality. Like, there's nothing more than I want at 9 p.m. at night when I should be going to bed than to watch this woman find some new mushrooms and get excited about it. Yes. And 
pick up something that looks like a plant that you should not actually be eating and she's like, no, you can pickle this. I know one of her most recent videos I watched was her using a certain plant and then seawater from the ocean to uh, pickle the plant. And she, her videos are also super approachable in that she's obviously extremely smart and knowledgeable about this. But plenty of times in her videos, she'll pop in there and be like, and this didn't work. Or this tastes gross. <laughs> or um, this is now six hours later because I had to do it again. You know, like she's really just like um, approachable that way. Yeah. And she makes it all easy for me as someone who doesn't know anything really about plants and herbs and nature to understand and learn, which I appreciate a lot. Mm -hmm. And she's just such like an upbeat, fun personality. So yes, I love Alexis. Yes. I hope she's making bank because she deserves it. And our number one was also the same. And this is Watcher. Talking about Watcher makes me feel like, um, what was his name? It was an SNL skit that it was Bill Hader and he had the the guy from New York that was like, this has everything. Yes. This club has everything. This new nightclub has this. You know, and like <laughs> Stefan, yes. I think was Stephane, his Stefan, yes. yes. When I talk about Watcher, I feel like Stefan because it does have everything. And they release so many different like series of shows The most well-known one is, of course, Ghost Files, uh, where the two hosts, Ryan and Shane, go ghost hunting. They also did one called Mystery Files, which I really loved. I hope they do another series of that. Uh, They do Puppet History, (laughs) where they they act out different historical events with puppets. Um, They recently started doing gaming, a gaming Mm -hmm. series, which gets to my little heart because I I love Let's Plays, which I guess saying Let's Plays really ages me because my my dear friend who is also a Gen Z, I said Let's Plays once and she was like, do you mean streamers? Oh my god. <laughs> so, Apparently anyway. we don't call them that anymore. But <laughs> I will forever. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Both of them are just like, they're very wholesome. They're very relatable. They're just, they are goofy, which is very, like, comforting Mm -hmm. to watch. I did not put it in my top three podcasts, but Ryan Bergara did start a podcast this year called For Your Amusement, which is about he and another friend, not Shane, heavily rate and get into different theme park rides. And most of the time, they're Disney and Universal ones. And so I get really into it because I'm like, I know this ride. You're like, I know what you're talking about. Yes. I do not always agree with their ratings, but Watcher just has so much like continuous but different content content series. Um, and that's why they're my number one. Mm-hmm. They actually are functioning as like a little production company with different types of content. And I, I hope they just keep growing. They also do this, I just want to mention really quickly, they do this little off series. It's called Something in Spirits, where they drink and then read people's write-in ghost stories. Oh, I don't think I've watched that one. That's fun. Oh, you have to find the clip where they're reading the story someone wrote about 
the beginning of it is about how they could just like suck up a meatball like Kirby. I've yes, I've seen that clip. The they're sitting around the fire. And yes, the whole that... story has nothing to do with just how they could like swallow a whole meatball. Like it's Oh god, it's so stupid, but it's yeah. so funny to me. Yes. <laughs> yes. Anyway. There's always is... more always more to watch on there, which is great. So our next category is podcasts, which I noticed you only put one. Yes, and I only have one. So you're going to get to go through your number three and number two before I do mine. I want to talk about how it's so ironic that we are recording a podcast right now and you do not have <laughs> three I know, right? Podcasts. My my number two and three podcasts were Nerd Ascended. <laughs> well, Nerd Ascended is also my is always my like gold star. <laughs> Above number one. I listen to a lot of podcasts, especially since I sometimes commute to work. Uh, besides For Your Amusement, which I already talked about, my top three podcasts, number three was Fan Behavior. And this one is an F1, as in Formula One podcast mm-hmm. run by two women. And I I love it so much because they're very they're very into like the strategy and how the cars work. And they're also into the drama between drivers and team principals and like the the things that like gatekeeping F1 fans are like, eh, you can't like that. And also like F1, that's not what F1 is about. No, it's about all of that. And I I also love the strategy and how the cars work and really intricate technical details. And I also love like why didn't Pierre Gasly like that photo that Lewis Hamilton posted? <laughs> yeah, as someone who doesn't know much about F1, judging from the race they had in Las Vegas not too long ago, you could have fooled me that half the reason for the sport wasn't drama. This is a bunch of like, and it's like a rich person's sport too, right? So yes, there's got to be a bunch be of drama. <laughs> yeah. So what what else are they doing besides creating drama? Like, Anyway, that seems like it should be a very important part of his work to me. <laughs> yeah. Do you remember, I, I know I sent it to you, and you had no context for it, but I have to talk about it all the time. In the Netflix series that they release every year called Drive to Survive, where the team principals were um, arguing, there was Total Wolf and Christian Horner, and he was like, and Christian Horner goes, if you have a problem, change your fucking car. Didn't I, I, I sent yes, you that. Yes, I, I do remember I'll send this. it again. Yeah. And Toto's like, Checo, who is one of the Red Bull drivers, Checo says your car is fucked. I have it. I have it printed <laughs> out. He never gave any receipts that Checo sent him. And he just emailed. made up so fake receipts. Yes. Um, anyway, fan behavior perfectly encas- encapsulates everything I love about F1. And I know this podcast grew a lot in 2023. I found them early in the year when they were pretty small. And I hope they keep growing. And the the two hosts are very good at hosting and talking, and they have good chemistry with each other, which is always important. Mm-hmm. <laughs> My number two podcast was this year in general. I got really into podcasts that were like stories, kind of like limited series. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do like my, those. Yes, I have a bunch of recommendations. Uh, including my number two podcast, which was called Believable, the Coco Birthman Story, which is, I don't know how to even describe it. It's about this 
woman who comes to America from Germany with the story about how she was sex trafficked her entire life until she was 15 and ran away. Wow. But this story, this podcast, is about how her story gets so crazy, people start to realize this may not actually be true at all. And she's getting, like, money and attention and fame from it. And this all started to come out in, like, early 2022 when she said she had cancer and -hmm. started to go fund me. I think I've heard of her. Yeah, you probably heard of the cancer part. (laughs) Yeah. It It is an absolute crazy story. I feel like the podcast host does a pretty good job at being very fair. Um, she tracks down a whole lot of people. She does try to talk to Coco. Coco never wants to talk to her, but she does like talk to her mom and her stepdad and many people in Utah that she lived with. And she also got very involved in the Mormon church. Um, Interesting. <laughs> which I'm not, I'm not trying to say anything bad about Mormons. I'm just saying they get involved in a lot of controversies. And have cult-like behavior. Yes. <laughs> yes. And have cult-like behavior. So that was my number two. So I would say I do have an honorable mention. I did listen to a lot of scam fluencers this year. Oh, I um, always love scam fluencers. Which I is, listen to it when I run. Yeah, which is always a good a good podcast. But my number one that actually made my list is Witch from BBC, which is hosted by um, India Rakusan, I think um, is how you pronounce her last name. And there's 13 episodes, so it's kind of a contained thing, but it's a a whole series where she explores like the history of witchcraft and what it means to be like a modern practitioner of of witchcraft today um which is really an oversimplification of what she's doing because this is like a hefty series with a lot of research um and really cool interviews there's episodes on all kinds of things i think one of my favorite ones was this episode where she dived into the placebo effect and talking about like, you know, modern witchcraft practitioners say they, you know, they can do the magic and that this will happen. And is this a placebo effect or not? And she talks to a woman whose entire life is researching the placebo effect and why she doesn't believe the placebo effect is a bad thing, first of all, um, because the way she describes it is, oh, placebo effect, you mean it worked? <laughs> the thing worked then? <laughs> and she talks to, uh, a couple guys who just, I think, were the most recent like Nobel Prize winners in quantum physics for this research they did that essentially shows that when two particles are entangled, even when you move them apart and they're not in the same space anymore, they can affect the states of each other, which was really crazy. And the like science practitioners she talks to, especially the quantum physics ones, are essentially like, yeah, when you get this far into science, it's just magic. Of course, magic works. You know, <laughs> like so it's it's very fascinating. Her voice is wonderful to listen to, and it it talks about all different kinds of topics in the space. So highly recommend that. That's super cool. I want to listen to that when I run outside. It would be a good one for that <laughs> for sure. My number one was also a limited series podcast, just one season called Believe in Magic. 
I find true crime interesting. That's any kind of crime that there's not a murder. <laughs> yeah. I don't like traditional true crime. I like scamfluencers true crime. Um, and Believe in Magic is about this case of probable Munchausen system. Munchausen's syndrome. Syndrome by proxy. Mm-hmm. But it's not Gypsy Rose Blanchard. <laughs> yes. Um, it's a it's a different mom and daughter um group group duo duo <laughs> um out of the uk so this podcast comes from the bbc i believe which which did too i don't know if i i referenced that so bbc is putting out some good stuff yeah and this one is about uh what happens between that mom and the daughter where they are now um not to spoil anything because i think you should listen to it it gets very deep they talk to other family members they try to talk to the mom in this and she does not ever reply but it is a very i like my number two um i think it's a very good investigation that's also very fair (laughs) where they start to put pieces together but they also don't outrightly say this woman that had Munchausen's mm-hmm. syndrome by proxy. They taught, like, you can put it together if you believe she does or did or not. It's very well done. I feel like it has a lot of um, empathy and sympathy for the um, subject matter people. Uh, but that was definitely my number one of the year. So our final category is games um which again isn't necessarily games that came out in 2023 although i know at least one of yours did i only have Mm -hmm. two listed i didn't play a whole bunch of games this year will be the year i play and finish death stranding especially because there is a show and or movie coming out about it but let's start with your number three from this year my number three was the super mario game on nintendo switch and not the new one that came out in 2023 but the one that came out like years ago And that is because I bought this game for myself during a very difficult time when our dad was very sick. He is fine now, but I bought this game to get me through that very difficult time. And Mm -hmm. so I have love for it. It is a Mario game. It is a platformer. You have little upgrades. You go to the different Bowser castles. It's very predictable. It's exactly what you expect. And it gets really hard. But it also like gives me a lot of comfort and it got me through a tough time. So that is why it is my number three. Well, I do only have two and my number one is the same as your number two. So I'll go through both of mine. <laughs> um, but uh, my second place one was a game called It Takes Two, which I think has been out for quite a while now. Kevin and I have been playing this. It is a really good couch co-op game where you essentially get to pay, play together two parents who are probably trying to get divorced and they're not working out very well have been turned into little dolls by their daughter on accident because she's sad about how they've been treating each other and um you have to go through all different kinds of puzzles and different really imaginative little worlds so beyond the which if anybody's played this game you know exactly what i'm talking about past the cutie the elephant thing which was the worst thing i've ever had to do in a game it uh, is for me too. And, and I've done a lot of crazy things. And in there's games. <laughs> torture in Grand Theft Auto V. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and and like, this was worse. <laughs> and the thing with the toy elephant was the worst. But beyond that, the 
the puzzles vary so much. They're just really fun and really cool. Um, but my topped one, which was another play with someone game, is Overcooked, which has been out for a long time. There's one and two, but we finally got into it this year playing together and enjoy the absolute chaos that is Overcooked. Yeah, Overcooked was my number two because it's simple but yet complicated. It's well designed. And honestly, I love a good co-op game, especially when I can play uh, with you long distance. Mm-hmm. I feel like those are starting to come back more. I think they uh, are. And it's both very frustrating, but in like a hilarious way that I'm okay with it being frustrating. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, as long as it's funny frustrating. My number one game should surprise no one. <laughs> it was Spider-Man 2. I finally caved and bought a PS5 for this game. No regrets. I just finished it about uh, finished it about a week ago. I cried. I felt all my feels. It was beautiful. It was hard. It was absolutely everything I wanted. Playing as both Peter and Miles was like perfect synergy and the game did a really good job in the peter side stories and his main mission was very much a 25 year old mm-hmm. and then miles until like you know shit gets real his is very 18 year old mm-hmm. and it was i mean like the design is always beautiful they they have different music and like ambiance depending on which spider-man you are um the ending was exactly what i wanted i was very satisfied with it i have spoiled the whole game to you yeah and i I watched kevin play it too and it gives me motion sickness so i know the mechanics of it are very well done (laughs) the swinging around is very realistic because it gives me motion sickness so yes i do enjoy watching the story as he's playing it though so and as i text you in all caps as things happened when I was <laughs> yes. it. So, I mean, I did enjoy the story from experiencing it via YouTube as well. So, well, there is lots to look forward to in 2024. Tons to come. We have some exciting episodes already planned for the next few months. Yes, so we planned ahead. Yes, we did. So, uh, be sure to follow us on Instagram at Nerdascended. And I think that's all for this one. We'll talk to you next time. Bye, nerds. Bye, nerds. Our intro and outro music comes from Sneaky Creaky at Yummy Sound. You can find us on Instagram at nerdascended or send us an email at nerdascendedpodcast at gmail.com.